Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we have the privilege of talking with Troy Evans, who leads a church called The Edge in Grand Rapids, Michigan. These guys are doing a lot of stuff in the community, a lot of stuff that a lot of people need to learn from. One of the things that I've observed is that people in the African-American community, churches in the African-American community, are doing so much more in church development and community development than anybody else in the country. And so I think uh, this is an opportunity for us to learn some stuff. Uh, Troy has a book that he's about to release. I want to make sure we focus on that. But Troy, just welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Oh, no. Thank you so much for having me. This is is a blessing. Thank you. So I want to go back. I like to do this, and and we won't spend a whole lot of time on this, but how how did you come to Christ? Start there, and then we'll get into ministry stuff. Sure. So I'll make a long story short, um, heavily uh, born and raised in the in the inner city Grand Rapids, uh, and uh, and uh, basically got involved with uh, with gangs and stuff like that at sixteen. Left my mother's house and started doing that kind of thing and, and drugs, selling drugs and all that, and uh, ended up getting caught in a grand jury investigation years later. Um, and I uh, was facing a lot of time in prison. Get out, didn't change. Um, three of my brothers were shot, and so um, and I got angry with the world. And, but I couldn't, I couldn't shoot everybody. I couldn't beat everybody. So I ended up um, being on the run most of the time from people and, and landed in, uh, in Detroit. I'm sorry, in, uh, in Georgia and, uh, and became a, a bodyguard for a guy. Um, did, some, did some bad stuff through that and travel. And just essentially, by the, by the time I was 23, I essentially lost my mind. was homeless, living in the back of a U-Haul truck. Wow. And, and I ended up coming back to Michigan, moved to Detroit, and uh, walked into a church. An old preacher, what was his name? Jesse Duplantis was a preacher. And he had a sense of humor. And I had never seen anybody act like that in church. And he and uh, he offered a message. And I couldn't refuse it. And I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I've been nuts ever since. Wow, that's so cool. So where, how did you get from there into uh what you're doing now pastoral ministry what what was that journey yeah it, it was it, it was it was crazy i mean it was, it was a it was a girl that took me to church um and then she gave her life to christ that day too and now 26 years later she's my wife and um but she it was her i mean she, she took me to this church then we ended up going to another church where i actually saw a man who was a pastor but the dude rolled up his sleeve. He had entourage, but the entourage was there with their their their, their sleeves rolled up, and and I, I can get with that. And I say that's not the dude that's just watching. When we used to literally shoot up everything that that's going up and down the street. You don't care if your church was two minutes away from us. We shoot right in front of the church. Well, my little brother got shot in front of the church. You know what I mean? And so for me, it was just like the, the church dudes were quiet, silent, sleeves rolled up, and scared of me. 
and this he wasn't that. <clears throat> so he showed an example of what it means to to serve the community, serve people in the church, and 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 be and then seek holiness above everything else. And so that I some I desired. So he basically got up one day and he was preaching a message. He said, "Y'all ain't gonna sit here and wait for me to die before you think you're gonna get your ministry." He said, "I'm not going anywhere." <laughs> so you better go find your ministry, and that was my call. And so I went out. I mean, and uh, I think it was John Elridge said something like, you know, the greatest passion is often find finding your deepest hurt. And for me, I went uh, I went to a homeless shelter and we planted our first church in a, a Christ-like outreach ministries inside of a homeless shelter in Detroit. And that's where it all began for me. And then from there, we started to we planted in, in Grand Rapids, our second church. But yes. And so are you guys planting out of the church in Grand Rapids? Are you sending guys out? Yeah, so we we do uh, before you know fresh expressions became a uh, a thing. We we didn't know what it was. That's what we that's what we've been doing is sending people, um, identifying young people, finding out what they're passionate about, finding out where they suck and where they're awesome, and then we help them build on both of those, and then we deploy them very quickly. Um, we bring them in, we sit them down, we raise them up, we send them out. And so then we come alongside uh, urban church planters all over the U.S. and we did it did it in England and then work with some people in the DR as well. I um, spent two and a half years working in England developing an urban church planting network there. But yeah, so our, our thing is really, I think our sweet spot is finding young leaders, getting them prepared and kicking them out and then helping um, churches, regions and denominations develop networks. That's, that's what we do as a church. Take me through the process of um, some guys sort of stumbles into church like you did yeah. and uh, en- ends up in the DR doing, you know, planning a church. Uh, what, what's how, what's that pathway in inside of your congregation? What are you doing to train people? Um, you know, and what, what are the foibles? What are the, what are the weaknesses and the strengths? Yeah. So we got more weaknesses than we do strengths. Yeah, we all do. You know, it's very sloppy. There's not a lot of books. Uh, most of the people we're working with, I mean, they never read a book from cover to cover, so that that's not appealing. But what we what we do is we basically um, we we have a uh, we have a you know I bring them in portion of it is that we want them engaged in day to day life of the church. We want them to be to be discipled and discipling very quickly. Um, we we have a philosophy that a yellow belt can teach a white belt a lot. Um, so you don't have to be the scholar to be able to make disciples. It's just a requirement. So we do that. So immediately we get them in the discipleship relationships. Do that. And then the second part would be is to get them through our 3D influence, which I would say is probably our biggest piece these days um, over the last few years, is that it, it starts them to help them to discover how has God uniquely called them, what has he called them to, and then the last portion of it is to deploy them and to doing that. So we do that through residency. Our residency portion is probably the, uh, our, our residency and our immersion, our urban immersion are two biggest pieces because that exposes um, people to what they may not know. Um, and the, the work, the terminology, church planting still in the urban core, the hood is still a foreign language. Oh yeah. Uh, that, so what we do is, is that we try, we, we kind of, 
we, we push them into it and we lead with discipleship because at, at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about. It's multiplication, making disciples. And so we start there, but getting them through 3D influence. Now they know who they are. They know what God has called them to do at least a portion of it. So then now it's an opportunity to try that out somewhere. And I believe the local church is the greatest place to do that. And so we give them, we deploy them into ministry. They're not looking envelopes. They're not intern. They're getting real budgets, real opportunities to, to figure some things out, whether it's with us or with another church or with another uh, a, a community-based organization, for that matter. And then from there, we say, well, would you like to be a part of a church planning team? Would you like to plan a church? And then we start to, we start to move from there. But 3D Influence is probably our biggest, not only real training component that we have outside of the church planning networks that we do. Wow, that's really, really something. Um, Talk about the scope. I mean, you you kind of talked about where you're at all over, but and I, you know, I know there's a tendency to shy away from numbers, but you guys are are kind of mega successful. I'd like to hear numbers. Tell yeah. tell us, you know, how, how many? I mean, counting everything you've done, where where you've you you've handed people off to other groups, whatever you've done. Uh, what how what what do the numbers look like? Yeah, I, I would say with our, you know, um, with our network and what we've done other places, I mean, in 13 years, probably, you know, 50 churches, you know, that we've had our hand on, that we've played something, you know, played a, a, a role, a significant role, whether it's mentoring the, the pastor, helping developing strategy, helping with recruitment, helping them with assessments or, or doing their assessments, doing residencies, um, and then actually planting things so yeah it's, it's been it's been a it's been it's been a journey so are are any of those guys now uh carrying the ball to the next level are they, are they handing off the baton to the next guy yeah so there's one guy i could think of terry we just spoke this week uh who uh he wasn't a part of our church terry i just know terry been ministry for 30 years he's been doing ministry stuff and and uh we helped, we, we, we came alongside them and planted in Indiana, South Bend, Indiana. And so he's, he's planted, uh, we planted, he's planted another church. We planted together um, in, in Benton Harbor <clears throat> uh, to, to work together to plant a church in Benton Harbor. But we literally, this week we're talking, he's saying like, hey man, I want to, I want to come to Grand Rapids and I want to start, I want to start doing, I want to plant another church. And uh, so we're like, I'm like, okay let's do it let's do it out the edge you know and so that we can plant because our church is full of young people i didn't say that we're, we're a hip-hop church right yeah, yeah and so we have a lot of it's just a bunch of young people all the time but to get some people that are, that are a little bit more seasoned we're always lacking elders in terms of the part that sucks for us we're, we're always no disciple makers ever and, and so that he attracts an older crowd and so just to know like man we 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 planted him. He, we planted together. He's working with church in the country using the same principles. And then now he's coming. He's saying like, okay, those churches are established. So I'm going to come back. I'm going to come into to Grand Rapids so we can build something. We're literally meeting Saturday. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Saturday, yeah, this Saturday to, to iron out all the details. So I'm excited about that. That's really cool. You know, you guys are, are 50 churches in 13 years is way faster than we ever went. We we basically pumped out about one and a half churches per year as on an average. But it was at second and third and fourth generation where the the you know the multiplier really happened where it became and this will sound like a, a pun, but to be exponential. 
Um, I, I want to go for a little bit and and talk about the book that that you're coming out with, and then I want to come back and uh, talk about your T-shirt, "Hustle, Pray, Eat." Uh, yes, sir. And and where does that all go? And I I know you got a lot to say about that, and I want you to. Um, you you tend to be um, a little bit frustrating to me doing a podcast because you give short, concise answers, and oh. uh, and, and 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 that's great. But when, when we're doing podcasts, I want people to, I mean, you're one of my heroes. I want these people to oh. know you. Okay. And so uh, first, though, let's go to the book and let's go to Hustle, Pray, Eat and, and what that's all about. And then just, you know, I, I want you to just take your time and, you know, talk story here uh, sure. be, because um, you, you're, you're one of the people that I'm paying attention to. And you're one of the people that I think the, the rest of the community and, and I, you know, it, I mean, the whole black, white thing comes in here, but if you're listening to me and you're white folks, you need to pay attention to this man because he's doing some stuff that you never dreamt of doing and he's doing it well. And, 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 and those of us uh, who kind of live in a suburban middle-class white environment and need to be looking and learning. And this is one of the men that we need to learn from. And, and this is why the book I think is significant. So try uh, pitch us on the book, you know, tell, wh- what about it? What is it? And then sell it to me, you know? Absolutely. So I, I'll start with, you know, just to clarify the 50 is really, really what the book is about. I think the 50 churches that we have been a part of, it's like, <clears throat> we, 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 we suck in a lot of areas, you know, we, we, we don't, we don't have a lot of money. We don't have a lot of stuff. We don't have a lot of people in our congregation. We don't, we're not a big church. Um, <clears throat> but what we do is we say, well, how can we come alongside people? And help them do. I'm always saying that they're they're already on fire. God's doing that. He's done that. My our job as a church is to say, okay, you're already on fire. And how do how do we put lighter fluid? And then we we put lighter fluid. Then we surround you with ten other people that put lighter lighter fluid on you at the same time. So whether you know we don't have to be, you know, we don't claim the as well as hesitant to say the fifty because we don't claim them. It's like you know, it was a collective effort of churches. Sure pouring together to help those churches do what God has called them to do, to help that planter do that. And the reason why I say that ties into the book is because that, that is really what, what my life has been about, is that there was a fire that, uh, that unfortunately the church did not see. And it didn't find great value in it because the church didn't know what to do with me. I didn't learn to read until I was in my 20s. You know, I have I have 80% hearing loss in this ear and 20% hearing loss in this ear. I talk funny. I don't I don't have a bunch of fancy words. I don't have any of that stuff. And I, and I'm sorry, my some people deal with their porn. They deal with their other issues. My my issue is I hurt people physically, and I'm good at it. So that's what I wrestle with. But what do you do with this dude that's sitting in your church? How do you? Is he reachable? Yeah. Is he, can he be reached? Can he be, can, is Jesus, is the power of the Holy Spirit powerful enough to transform him very quickly so then we, we can deploy him into ministry? And I found that the church, quite frankly, doesn't know what to do with me. Yeah. And do, we know what to do with the homeless person. We know what to do with the single person, the divorced person. We know what to do with, the, with some of the teens, but we have yet to figure out what about the rough dude? What about the Myrans? Where does Myron go coming out the gate, out of, out of prison? Where does he go to say, am I, am I useful? I love Jesus. 
that's essentially what the book uh, is about. The name of the book is called The Edge of Redemption. And, uh, so and the, it's in, the Edge of Redemption. And, yes, sir. And it's, you can be found on Amazon, yeah? Yeah. So, uh, so the, the book was released 10 years ago. <clears throat> and we, it, was, it was before I started doing a lot of speaking and a lot of stuff. And uh, I, I look up and the publisher, I contact the publisher about doing writing another book. And he said, hey, you know, it's been 10 years, you know, since you wrote the book. And I said, like, I said, oh, really? I said, oh, my 50th birthday's coming up. I said, so why don't we do a 10-year re-release? And I would add a 10-year, uh, 10 years later, a, a portion to it and, and really interview people that have been around for the last 10 years and ask them what, what it, what, how much of it was true? What was a lie? You know, what were, my, what were predictions that I make that didn't happen or whatever? Um, so basically the book covers my, my, my life story. And we use that as a case study, you know, as a case study, say, well, what are there, there, there's other Troys that may have, may not have the, the things, you know? Uh, so for instance, I was molested when I was nine. Oh. And I remember talking to a lady helping me to write the book. And she was like, Troy, it seemed like you were okay. And then something happened. And you know how we do these cleaned up Christian testimonies. Yeah. And I'm, I, you know, unless I'm asked to I'm say a lot of words. And so she was trying to pull out of me so we can do what's right for the book. And she was like, there's a gap here. She did a bit of a gap analysis. So there's a gap here. And I remember being outside the coffee shop and I started weeping because. 10 years ago, that would put me at, at uh, 40, 40, probably uh, 39 when I was working on it. I hadn't told the soul that I had been molested, but I left that out. And it was a piece of me that defined a great portion of my life because yeah. I learned how to fight or family fight and fought since I was nine, 10 years old. And I've been training that for a very long time. And for me, I decided then that I wouldn't allow anybody else to get hurt ever again ever again and that defined me and that then i ended up turning into the bully yeah. as a result because i know I, I i could do it and it defined me and so we use pieces like that to say how many men actually talk about this kind of thing yeah where do you go can you go to the church and say that i i have this baggage and here's what is causing what is done for me and then at the end of each chapter there's uh, there is uh there's statistics there's uh training material at, at the end of each chapter and at the end of the the book there's a whole uh study so you can uh, I think it's like 19, 19 things and uh it's been used uh, at uh, iwu they used it for a while for their uh, what was it uh, their criminal criminology class or something like that and a couple other colleges and, and and churches have used it for 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 curriculum so i'm i'm hearing that there's um there's a body of wisdom here in this book. I want it. I think that other people need it. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.